From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, thanks for tuning in on this Friday, November the 11th. Well, coming up on this Veterans Day edition of Washington Watch, President Biden is in Cairo for a global summit on the climate. In addition to apologizing for the U.S. pulling out of the Paris Climate Agreement during the Trump administration, President Biden said this today as well. The climate crisis is about human security, economic security, environmental security, national security, and the very life of the planet. Now, think about that for a moment. Yesterday, he was celebrating the taking of unborn human life, doubling down on his efforts to make abortion until birth the law of the land. If Republicans pass, and I don't think they can do it now, a ban, a national ban to ban abortion, I will veto it. It's simple. We need to codify Roe v. Wade as the law of the land. Again, think about that. Yesterday, he was pledging to make the taking of human life his top priority, while today he's preaching about protecting the life of the planet. Folks, I'm going to tell you, it doesn't get much more twisted than that. All right, the White House has said President Biden will meet with Chinese Communist Party leader Xi Jinping on Monday in Indonesia as the group of top 20 nations gather. As China grows more aggressive toward Taiwan and pursues global dominance, is the U.S. military able to back up U.S. diplomacy? Congressman Brad Winstrup, a veteran of the United States Army, joins us in just a moment. As GOP inches its way toward a Republican majority in the House, we'll get an update on the election results from FRC Action's Vice President Brent Kylan. And one of the many bright spots emerging from Tuesday's election were school board races. And we're going to talk with one Marine veteran who answered the call to duty again. I was elected to the school board in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Mike Callen joins us a little later. And once again, for those tuning in and watching, uh, you can see I am not in our Washington studio. Washington Watch is coming to you from the studios of his channel right here in Southern California. And our thanks again to his channel for their partnership with Washington Watch. Well, last night we had a great event with former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo here in Southern California. We had a discussion about not only his time as Secretary of State under President Trump, but also some work we did with him during his time as CIA Director. Much like the military has its chaplain's corps, I wanted to create a chaplain's corps for the CIA. And so I asked Tony and General Boykin to help me think through how one might do that, how one might deliver it. And over the course of uh, the next handful of months, we got it up and running. And it's one of the one of the things that's the quietest, but I'm most proud of it. It's still there to this day. And as he said, that chaplain's program in the CIA is still functioning. Well, as we celebrate Veterans Day, I'll be joined by General Jerry Boykin to discuss the growing concerns of veterans over the state of our nation's military and quite frankly, how veterans may be the key to getting our military back on track. The website is TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you, so I encourage you to check that out. The word for today comes from Amos chapter 8, verse 11. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. 
how the prophet Amos had recounted all the natural disasters that God had brought upon the nation to prompt them to repent and return to him. There were plagues, droughts, famines, but they ignored God's warning and his word. You refuse to hear, God says, and I won't speak. You reject my word, and you'll be blinded by your rejection. Why does that matter? Well, our hope and our salvation is revealed in the Word of God. As Paul wrote in Romans, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? Pray that the Spirit of God will saturate our country with the Word of God and that hearts and minds will be open and we'll hear. To join us in our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org slash Bible. Well, on this Veterans Day, it's appropriate we pause to remember those who have served and thank them. Uh, you know, and given the chaos in the world and the adversaries we face, we know that a strong military is critical to the health of our nation. I think we need to ask the question, is America's military up to the challenges that we see? not only in Eastern Europe with what's happening in Ukraine and Russia, but Asia and elsewhere. As I mentioned, the White House has said that President Biden will meet with Chinese Communist Party leader Xi Jinping on Monday in Indonesia as the G20 gathers. You know, as China grows more aggressive toward Taiwan and establishing global dominance, is the U.S. military able to back up U.S. diplomacy? Joining me now to talk about this and more on this special Veterans Day edition of Washington Watch is Congressman Brad Winstrup. He serves on the House Committee on Ways and Means and on the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. He is an Iraq War veteran and represents the 2nd District of the state of Ohio. Congressman Winstrup, welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you. Good to be with you, Tony, as always. I appreciate it. And, uh, and, and thank you for your service to our country. Um, let me uh, say that, I mean, there's a lot to discuss, but let's get your thoughts first on President's upcoming uh, meeting with uh, Xi Jinping on Monday. Well, it, it'll be interesting. From what I understand, Tony, it's gonna be sort of a sideline meeting at the G20, between not a high profile meeting, if you will. And we've heard President Biden say, He's going to discuss what China's red lines are and what our red lines are. Well, I think we've seen over recent years with, with some leaders that a red line doesn't really mean anything. They throw it out there and say it, but what does it really mean? Uh, we now see President Xi has solidified himself as third term president and leader of the party, the Communist Party in China. And so he's very well entrenched. And it seems like people that are in his cabinet, if you will, don't question him because there's there's a fear. Uh, look, the president of the United States has been vocal about some things with President Xi, about the treatment of Uyghurs, what's happened in Hong Kong, uh, about trade, about military actions that have taken place and in Taiwan, where the president said that we will defend Taiwan and then the administration backed off from that. Uh, you know, President Xi is also looking at Russia as he has his eyes on Taiwan, which is which is a key issue. I hope that he addresses China and asks them to put some pressure on North Korea to calm down their rhetoric and their firing off of, of missiles. Look, we know what the Chinese ambition is. They want to be the world's dominant economic and military power and be the only superpower in this world. 
we have got to come back to that for the sake of freedom and for everything that we value in the United States. Uh, we've come out and said we're, we're going with strategic ambiguity. Uh, well, I guess if you're trying to leave them guessing a little bit, maybe that's that may be one effective tool. But you touched on some other things that have me concerned about the weakness on, on our side, the, some of the breakdown within the military, some of the changes that we're seeing take place that don't encourage us. Um, and look, we had a lot of veterans running for office this time, and we got a lot of people speaking out because we want our country to be strong. We want our military to be strong. And so I hope that the president will go into this uh, from a, 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 a good tone of strength from the United States, uh, but I haven't seen that very often. So we'll see what comes out of it, Tony. Well, well, Congressman, earlier this week, the president said, you know, his message would be, look, not, we want competition, not conflict. And, and that's good. I mean, I think we should pursue uh, diplomacy at every turn, but we have to go in with our eyes wide open to that, as you just pointed out, that's not necessarily China's take on this. And, and the question is, is our military up to a point under this administration of being able to back up any diplomatic effort? Well, we've seen some breakdown. We've canceled some of the uh, programs that we have for some of our military assets, and, and that's a shame. Uh, I think that there's a, a great division that's taking place within our military right now because uh, it seems that from the administration, uh, we are advocating for this wokeness within the military. It is not popular, uh, and, it's, and it affects morale. And also what has affected morale is what has taken place with with the mandates for vaccine. Look, I'm pro-vaccine, but with any medicine, any type of treatment, there's pluses and minuses. And we took doctors out of the equation. You have the Secretary of Defense or you have the President of the United States or politicians saying, you must take this or you lose your job. And unfortunately, we may have people within our military that have more immunity than those that got vaccinated uh, because they may have mm. gotten and we know that that can get, build up tremendous immunity. So all these things are just breaking down the morale. And uh, we've got many, many concerns to be worried about. COVID showed us something as well, uh, that one, we uh, know that we can create viruses from two viruses and chain parts on them to make them more infectious. Uh, that's a capability that the world seems to have. And COVID really has shown, are we really prepared for another pandemic if something comes along? And we also have concerns with biowarfare, for example. I did a round table with Rand Corporation, and that was one of the main concerns they have is creating something that can be used against us. So what are our biodefenses? Uh, so many things to, concern, to be concerned about. You know, if our supply chain, for example, is dependent on China, as in, even for our military, that's a problem. It never should have gotten that way. If you'd have told me as a surgeon in Iraq that my protective equipment and pharmaceuticals relied on China, I would have said, how did we get here? How do we start to rely on adversaries for our military? So we have a lot of things to turn around, and I, and I hope that we start doing that, but I haven't seen that ambition coming from the administration, unfortunately. Well, Congressman, you've laid out a lot right there in, uh, in in that statement. Let's talk about what, I mean, right now, it looks like the Republicans are about seven seats away from having the majority. You look at the races that are still out, it's pretty pretty certain that the Republicans will have the majority, but the, the it'll be a very slim margin. Uncertain about what's going to happen in the Senate. What can a Republican House do 
and how committed will they be to it to strengthen our military, only having one chamber possibly? Well, I would say when it comes to the military, I think we have a lot of bipartisan support. There's a component of the Democrat Party that uh, is anti-military, doesn't want to look, they want to open borders, they, they want a whole different environment than what our founders put in place and what America has been used to. But at the same time, I think we can get some broad bipartisan support uh, for enhancing our military. Uh, there's de there are Democrat veterans uh, that are on armed services and on intelligence committee that I work with very well that fully understand the threats to the United States of America and want to work on that. So I think that we can get some things done there and a lot across other lines, too. You know, I've never seen a party like the, the Democrats right now celebrating their losses because uh, that's really what's happened if you look at the last two elections. Two years ago, we were supposed to lose 15 seats. We gained 15 seats. I think we're going to gain maybe about that many this time. So uh, we'll see how the numbers play out. But we're going to lead by example, Tony. We're going to come forward with policies that hopefully will be pretty inarguable on, on behalf of the American people and, and in this case, the defense of our great nation. Well, it's an extremely important issue. And again, uh, Congressman Brad Winstrup, I want to thank you for your service and uh, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for all you do, Tony. Appreciate it. All right. Congressman Brad Winstrup of Ohio. Coming up, many votes are still being counted. What's the latest in these races? We're going to discuss that with FRC Action's Brent Kylan after the break. And still to come, we're going to be talking with a Marine veteran who answered the call to duty once again, ran for the school board, and was successful. And then our own General Jerry Boykin joins us later. So don't go away. A lot more still ahead. Today, moral relativism and political correctness are assaulting truth. How can the world have hope when believers themselves aren't clear on the authority of the Bible? The Church of Jesus Christ always faces a tremendous temptation to deviate from the Word of God. The God who speaks clearly expresses God's intent in giving us His Word and the response that is demanded of those who hear. Nobody ever encounters God and says, that was boring and irrelevant. When people say that about the Bible, it just says to me, they've not encountered the God of the Bible. Our faith is rooted in history, and, and consequently, we need to use the evidence and never be afraid of it. The God Who Speaks is a feature-length documentary from the American Family Association, which could bolster your confidence in the Word of God. Churches really need to see this, really need to understand what the Bible actually is. Available now at thegodwhospeaks.org. Here's a moment of hope for your home with Jerry and Becky Drace. I want to be a policeman when I grow up. <laughs> you ever heard that? We used to hear those words a lot. But you know what? Not many children wish to be a policeman nowadays. It is true, they're bad cops, but they're also bad politicians, preachers, and teachers. The vast majority of law enforcement men and women are great people. Listen to Matthew chapter 6, verse 20. You'll know them by their fruit. Even though some law enforcement people do not produce good fruit from their job, most of these men and women stand for justice and serve our neighborhoods and cities. They often give their lives to provide for our safety. As you pass a policeman or woman, step up and say, thank you for serving our community. You know, this act of appreciation will serve as a statement to teach your children the importance of those who serve our communities. Learn more at hopeforthehome.org. 
This has been a moment of hope for your home. Director of the AFA Foundation, Riley Wildman. I've traveled a lot. I've met with people from all over the country. Riley has served as the director of the AFA Foundation for over a decade. The most rewarding thing about my job is that we get to build relationships through our donors and our supporters and get to have that personal relationship with them. Contact the AFA Foundation today to learn how you can shore up permanent income for your retirement years while supporting the culture-transforming work of the American Family Association. A charitable gift annuity benefits you and helps ensure the AFA will impact America for generations to come. Call 800-326-4543, extension 345. That's 800-326-4543, extension 345. The AFA Foundation, the Financial Stewardship Division of the American Family Association. Welcome back to Washington Watch. As I mentioned, we're broadcasting from the studios of his channel here in Southern California. So glad you've joined us on this Veterans Day edition of Washington Watch. Well, it's day three since the midterm elections were held, and the overall picture has begun to look a little clearer. As I was mentioning earlier, the Republicans up to uh, about seven votes or seven House seats uh, short of the majority, and uh, some of the races getting, uh, getting closer to being called. But where do things currently stand overall in both the House and the Senate? Well, here to, uh, to give us a little bit more information is Brent Kylan, Vice President of FRC Action. Brent, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you, Tony. Good to be with you. And, and if I could real quick, given it's Veterans Day, just want to say thank you for your service. It's, uh, it's much appreciated. Oh, I see a picture somebody threw up there. Yeah, that was uh, about 40 years ago. I looked a little younger back then, huh? Actually, I had less hair back then than I do now, though, but that's a different story. All right, well, let me, let's jump into this, because uh, last night here in Southern California, actually at our dinner, we had two uh, candidates. Uh, one uh, current member of Congress, Michelle Steele, her race is yet to be called. Very, very, it's actually, she's she's got a pretty good spread on it. She's very confident she's going to win that race, but it hasn't been uh, called yet. She's in uh, California C District 45, and then we had uh, Scott Bowen in California 47. That race is neck and neck. So a lot of these are uh, still outstanding, but give us the latest on uh, the trends we're seeing. So, Tony, we still have a couple races to be called in the United States Senate. So we're, we're still at that 49 uh, Republican seats, uh, 48 Democrat seats in Alaska. We don't know who the Republican will be, but we know it'll be one of the two. Now, they're two very different kinds of Republicans, but we know that that seat will uh, stay in a Republican control there. Um, and then we know Georgia has gone to a runoff. So that'll be December 6th. If you are in Georgia, uh, that early voting uh, starts next week. In fact, so not a lot wow. of uh, not a lot of time between the general election and the runoff. They're very, very important in Georgia. And then we have uh, Nevada and Arizona still not called uh, Nevada. We have the uh, the Republican candidate. Adam Laxalt is up with 90 percent of the vote in, but he's up by just one point. So very, very close margin there. And then we have um, um, the, the Arizona Senate race uh, incumbent Democrat Mark Kelly is still up by about five or six points, but there's about 80 percent of the uh, of the vote in there. So um, some 
folks looking at the numbers are saying it's going to be hard for Blake Masters to pull that out, but some people are also saying there's still a, a chance given where those ballots might be coming from. So, so that's the Senate right now. We we continue to watch those uh, watch those um, updates and watch those votes come in. And then Tony, like you said, the the House we're at uh, 211 Republican seats. Uh, 218 is is the magic number there for the majority. And then we're at uh, 196 called for the Democrats. So um, seems like by the hour, we continue to have more of these races called. But given how close these margins look like they will be, uh, a lot still hangs in the balance there for sure. Yeah, and it's just a matter of counting these votes. As I was talking about the uh, those, actually, we had several candidates. We had two congressional, and we had uh, several school boards and some local candidates. And they're all waiting for the uh, the votes to be tabulated. So, and they say it's you know it's moving at a snail's pace. So I'm sure we'll get more information over the weekend, be able to talk more about that on Monday. But let's let's switch gears a little bit. What are some of the big picture takeaways from this week as you, uh, your team in action, have been able to dig a little deeper into the numbers? Tony, there are a couple big ones that really uh, pop out to me right now. One of the ones that I don't think is getting talked about as much is just um, how significant, even if the Republicans only take the, the majority by a very slim margin in the House, how significant that is for the Senate filibuster. You know, we, we've talked a lot about how big that is, and if that filibuster is removed, we would have some some very, very concerning legislation, such as, you know, the Equality Act or the For the People Act or all sorts of things passed. But because that 60 vote threshold is still in place, um, that's not happened. The Democrats were very clear if they could pick up two seats in the Senate, that would give them enough votes to, to, to get rid of the filibuster and subsequently pass this legislation. But the fact is, regardless of how the Senate goes now, if the Republicans win the House, that probably takes that off the table because they wouldn't be able to get that legislation through the House in the first place. So it's kind of a moot point. So that's in my in my book, that's absolutely huge. That's a very, very positive development and outcome based off of the results that we're, we're looking at right now. Tony, the other thing that has really been interesting to me is to drill down on some of these school board results. You know, we've watched this trend over the past couple of years. This has become such a, a huge, important issue. We've seen so many parents, so many citizens getting involved. Uh, but this was the first national election since this has become this big of an issue. And we saw at the at the local school board level specifically some very encouraging results uh, carry through Tuesday. And there's a there's a number of really neat stories that I'm I'm just gonna mention here real quick. Um, many people may be familiar with Ron DeSantis endorsing some school board candidates in Florida. All six of the ones he endorsed for the runoff Tuesday one. That means that 24 out of the 30 candidates he endorsed won in Florida. In Minnesota, a conservative activists won 49 races in 15 out of 19 school boards. That's huge. Um, Ballotpedia is uh, is a, a source that keeps track of some some of this info. They uh, tracked 200 and 37 school board winners who took a, a position on one of these important social issues. And, and of those winners, 55% of them 
took the conservative position on at least one of these important cultural social issues, such as, you know, critical race theory or um, protecting uh, female sports or these sorts of things. Forty three percent of them took uh, a liberal position on at least one of these uh, these positions. So 55 to 43 may not sound like a lot, but Tony, if you have a 55 percent majority on a school board, uh, on a school board, you can right. do a lot of good with that. You, you have the uh, the controlling majority there. Um, just a couple other really neat stories. Uh, 1776 PAC uh, gets endorsed in, uh, or involved in a lot of school board races. Um, all of their candidates won in a brand new one, Michigan, and flipped that board to school control. Uh, and then Moms for Liberty, it looks like 61% of the 67 candidates that they endorsed in Florida will win. And one of the well, cool... Hey, hey, Brent, we're going to have to leave it there. We're up against a break. Yeah. In fact, we're going to talk with one of these successful school board candidates next. Stick with us, folks. Hello, everyone. Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. Hey, if you're looking for a vacation with a purpose in 2023, why don't you consider joining us on one of our spiritual heritage tours? We're going to Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and George Washington's Mount Vernon. And then we're also going to Jamestown, Williamsburg, and Yorktown. Those are two separate tours. June and September, we're going to go. And if you'd like more information on these, go to spiritualheritagetours.com, spiritualheritagetours.com. Stephen McDowell, the president of the Providence Foundation and a uh, true American historian, will be joining us for both of these tours, and you will be enlightened and encouraged and educated and informed, and you'll be joining Christians from all over America on one of our tours. SpiritualHeritageTours.com is the website. Check it out. A teenage jihadist comes to Christ. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and I met young Ahmed when I visited the Middle East. His father died fighting for ISIS, his mother was an extremist, and young Ahmed was going to be a suicide bomber by killing himself and others being sold out to violent Islam. Now, his mother and siblings, they came to Christ. They prayed nonstop for his salvation, and when it came, he was beaten nearly to death by extremists. And when I caught up with him several villages over, I asked, Ahmed, what's your Bible mean to you? And he said, I can look here and see where Jesus says they'll hate you because they hated me and where Jesus says I'm with you always. Now listen, having a Bible, it meant everything to him and gave him perspective and his prayer was for believers there who need God's word to endure and persevere and I said, Ahmed, those Bibles they're coming. $5 sins a Bible, $50 sins 10 $500 sins 100 Please in this season of giving, bless the persecuted church by calling 800 Yes Word. 800 Yes Word or give it SendBiblesNow.org SendBiblesNow.org God bless you Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this uh, Friday. We are broadcasting from his channel, the studios here in Southern California. You know, as we were just talking about with Brent Kylan, Vice President of FRC, actually ran out of time there. But, you know, I think when pundits look back on the 2022 election, the role that education issues played will require, I think, a more serious look. Uh, but a backlash against parents move, the parents' movement it was already brewing with many on the left saying parents should defer to the experts. But now we know that parental involvement is vital for our schools. And you know, I go back a little bit to where this kind of all got started. It was COVID. 
You know, the, the left wanted these lockdowns. They wanted kids out of the school. They want them to stay home. Well, I think they're probably sorry about that now because parents began to see what their kids were being indoctrinated with. Now, one of the the reasons that FRC has been running school board candidate training sessions was to help parents get involved uh, in these races and run successfully. Well, joining me now is one of those, Mike McAllen, Mike uh, Callen with a, um, he was a participant in one of these boot camps. He ran this cycle for a seat on a school board in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and he won. And he's also, as I mentioned earlier, a Marine. Mike, welcome to Washington Watch and Simplify. Well, uh, nice to meet you, Tony, but let me clarify right out of the gate. I am not a Marine. I am the son of a Navy fighter pilot. That was as close to wearing the stripes as I got. Oh, well, that's good enough. We're glad that you're with us today, but I'm gonna, you've answered the call to duty. Uh, you are not running as a parent of school children, but as a grandparent. What compelled you to run? Well, for those in the audience who have transitioned from the world of being a parent to becoming a grandparent, uh, as they can attest, something washes over you as a grandparent that didn't wash over you before. And you become somebody you hardly recognize, but you don't care. Uh, it's driven by a heartbeat for these grandchildren that causes you to engage in all sorts of either fun and playful activities that you might not normally engage in or stepping into educational or political arenas that you may never have engaged in before. And with three of my four grandchildren currently in the public school system here in Virginia Beach and watching the direction that things were heading and being shocked and appalled at times as to the direction that it was actually leading to, uh, I had a serious talk with myself and I came to the conclusion as I reached this intersection in my mind that I was going to turn into an old curmudgeon and just grouse and gripe and complain about things or I was going to stare at myself in the mirror and say, I guess this is one of your moments where you either put up or shut up. So I raised my hand, uh, entered the arena, began the process of applying for things, but knew from the beginning that I was totally ill-equipped and unprepared and unfamiliar with so much of what awaited me. But that didn't stop me. I, I guess, again, you lose your brains and your mind when you become a grandparent. And I was willing to proceed even into a foreign territory that I knew nothing about. And here we are all these months later, and you sit back and you say, only God could have made that happen. I, I want to talk just a moment about, because there's other people that are now going to take a second thought, a second look at, you know, maybe I should have ran. Um, maybe I'll do it next time. When you got out there on the campaign trail, what was the most surprising thing that you encountered? Well, for the most part, uh, I put myself in their shoes. And if somebody were to knock on my door and either be the candidate or represent the candidate, uh, I, the last thing I would probably want to experience from them is to be engaged, since you just rang my doorbell and interrupted me from whatever I was currently doing, 
Uh, I would not want to be engaged in a lengthy discussion about many things, so I kept it as brief as I possibly could. And you may be familiar with an item that's referred to in the campaign game plan called a palm card. And here's an example of my palm card. And let me make sure I bring that into the right area of the screen. This is just me and I would hand it out. And as you can see towards the bottom, uh, bring it over, there we go. At the bottom, there, there was a website. There was a website and I would basically tell people that here's my name, here's where I live. There was a newly designed district system that went into effect for the first time ever in Virginia Beach. And I just let them know where within that district my house was located. And I would point them to the website and encourage them to go there, lift the hood, kick the tires, and find out what I'm all about. And if it turned out that they found themselves on the same page as I was, as represented by the material in the website, then I told them I would be honored to earn their vote. And I can't tell you how many times people would respond favorably by saying, A, thank you for being brief. Thank you for at least stepping out. And before I even left their front doorstep, many people would say, you got my vote. And yeah. having just yeah. met me for the first time, I was honestly surprised and would ask, well, I'm curious, I appreciate that, but what was the reason behind you willing to give me your vote? And many times the answer was, you're the first person who's ever run for school board, who's ever knocked on my door. So just yeah. because you were willing to get out, whether it was 95 degrees in the summer or it was raining and you're under an umbrella, you were willing to pay dues that I'm impressed with and you, yeah. you get my vote, man. What it was interesting was, Mike. Mike, we're out. Of, we're out of time. Congratulations! Thanks for answering the call of duty, and we look forward to tracking your success on the school board. Given the all-out assault on the American male, it isn't surprising that the family structure is faltering. As a result, many men are frustrated and confused about what a real man is supposed to be. In response, Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Curitan's new book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers a battle plan for men on how to take on their God-given responsibility in a culture swiftly turning away from God's design. The authors present the Old Testament book of Joshua and his leadership as the focus of their study, asking readers to consider the five principles of biblical manhood, man as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. It is time for men to step into their role in the family and society and truly live out their God-given purpose. To purchase your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Hi, this is Pastor Robert Morris. I'm often asked, how do I grow in my relationship with the Lord? How do I hear God? What is God's plan and purpose for me? I want to personally invite you to join me on Sunday mornings right here on AFR for worship and the Word, and we will discover the answer to these questions together. We'll explore the truths found in God's Word that will help you strengthen your faith and develop a more intimate relationship with Him. Too busy to catch your favorite shows on the radio? Have no fear, because the AFR app is here. Download the app to have access to live broadcast, music streaming, as well as each podcast. 
Whether you're at work, at home, or on the go, it's easy to listen to AFR. The AFR app is available not only for Apple and Android users, but also on Amazon Alexa and Roku. Download the AFR app today at AFR.net. You know, if you feel like you're stuck with a healthcare plan that isn't affordable or you simply just don't like how it works, well, right now, during open enrollment is a perfect time to switch to MediShare. The typical family saves $500 a month when they join MediShare. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to the industry. That's double. And MediShare is the most trusted name in healthcare sharing. It's been around for 30 years. It's shared more than $4 billion in healthcare bills. And here's why now is the perfect time to make the switch. If you join MediShare Complete by January 1st, they will waive your new member fees and you'll save an additional 10% off your first year. That's right. No fee to join, 10% off every month for all of next year. But again, it's a limited time offer. So yeah, you're not stuck. You've got a great option. Call now, 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. As I've uh, mentioned, we are not in our studios in Washington, D.C. I'm actually in the studios of his channel here in Southern California. We were here last night for Family Research Council's annual Friends of FRC Banquet in Costa Mesa. California. We had uh, hundreds of folks gathering with us, longtime supporters of FRC. And among our special guest was former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who shared the top three significant changes that have occurred since the 2020 uh, election that could have serious implications for the future of our country. And the first that came out was the Biden administration's dismantling of the gains that were made in the Middle East, such as the Abraham Accords, which was uh, more than symbolic. And that was not just symbolic, because that brought great stability and in, in, a, in a sense of kind of a bulwark against Iran. Oh, yeah. No, it was, it was Israel's our friend, Iran's causing trouble, and we can get the Gulf Arab states to recognize Israel's right to exist. There were three pieces to this. And the Lord put remarkable leaders in place in Bahrain and in the Emirates, President Trump, Prime Minister Netanyahu, all of whom were able to work with our team and we were able to, to pull it off. It really mattered. And from a practical perspective as the Secretary of State, those accords mean it's less likely that our kids will have to go back to that place someday and, and risk their lives in service. And so not only did you get good things for the people of the region, but you took down a lot of risk for the United States. Well, as you said, we had a great night uh, last night. Monday, we'll be back in the studios in Washington, D.C. But joining me now is FRC's own vice, uh, executive vice president, and he is a founding member of the Army's elite Delta Force, Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin. Uh, spent 36 and a half years in United States Army, and he joins me now to talk about not only his own reflections on Veterans Day, but how... It may be veterans that have the ability to get our nation's military back on track. General, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you very much, Tony. It's good to be back with you. Hey, and by the way, you know what yesterday was, right? It was the birthday of the Marine Corps, and I was going to bring that up. Yeah, you didn't call and wish me happy birthday. Well, you don't know that I didn't call. You didn't talk to me, but I may have called. 
Oh, okay. All right. Well, anyway, let me start by saying thank you for your service uh, to our nation in, uh, in so many different ways. Let's start with um, your thoughts on Secretary Pompeo's comments last night. We just heard about how the Middle East is less secure under the policies of the Biden administration. I think he's spot on. Uh, if, we, if we do a very careful assessment of what these uh, accords meant, and the fact that it was uh, it was a major step towards bringing uh, peace in the Middle East and uh, and setting Israel up to actually have allies in the Middle East, which they've never had, uh, then I think that uh, this cannot be underestimated in terms of how important this is uh, today and in the future. And this administration has totally ignored this. I think it is. Uh, it's inexcusable, and I don't understand why they don't uh, they don't try to move this forward with more nations joining these accords. And so, a failure to follow through on that or build on those successes of the Trump administration puts more pressure on our nation's military. Because if you don't have uh, diplomacy in place and you you have to rely on your military, you know. We have a problem there, too, because our military strength has been depleted. We've been talking about that. We've talked about how the, the, the Army in particular, but all the branches, are having difficulty meeting their recruitment goals. As a retired flag officer, you've told me many times that the, the Army's reaching out to veterans to try to get them to help in their recruitment deficit. Have they not? That is exactly what has occurred. The uh, General Officer Management Office, which uh, manages both retired and uh, active general officers in terms of their careers and so forth, uh, they have sent out an email asking us, us old guys that have retired, to uh, get involved in trying to help them recruit. Well, I can help them very, very quickly. It's just a short conversation with anybody that really wants to know what to do and what's wrong with the military today i can help them with that and it is it has everything to do with what the uh, young soldiers sailors airmen marines and coast guardsmen are seeing in our military today and it's not what they signed up for it's not what they expected it is all about being woke it is all about forcing them to take vaccinations that they don't want it is all about bullying the young men and women that have uh, signed up to serve in the military, bullying them to do things they do not want to do and wasting their time that should be used to prepare to win the nation's wars. And that if they can just listen to that and, and take some action on those issues, uh, the recruiting will right itself. Tony, I spent most of today with veterans. I spent most of the day talking to veterans, and I must tell you, it is actually worse than I thought it was. One guy told me, and just in the special forces alone, that uh, the young officers are bailing out at record numbers. They they are not going to stay and make careers out of the military. What does that mean? It means we're going to wind up with future leaders that are just like those that uh, we're dealing with today at the highest levels, because the good ones are going to leave. Yeah, I uh, I actually have a young special forces officer that I'm kind of mentoring, and, and he's telling me the same thing. He's trying to make that decision as to whether or not he stays or he gets out. And you and I have talked about this a number of times, uh, not on, on the radio, but um, privately, 
about what we hear when we travel and we speak and parents come up to us and say, you know, my, my, my son, my daughter is thinking about the military. Should they really join in this environment? And it's becoming harder and harder for me to encourage people to take that course, although I want men and young men and women of faith and conviction to be in our nation's military. I also know that they have to be really prepared for the environment that they're going to be uh, operating in. That's right. And when you and I were in, and by the way, thank you for your service as well. Uh, when you and I were in the military, uh, it, it was a different military. It was much easier to live your faith. There was, I mean, there's always been uh, some degree of, uh, uh, I guess, uh, harassment of Christians in mm -hmm. just about any government mm -hmm. service office. But uh, but I will tell you, I I've never seen anything like what's going on today. I, I want to go back to something you just said a minute ago. That's where I wanted to go. When you have the military reaching out to veterans saying, help us, help us, uh, help us recruit and meet our recruitment goals because we're falling woefully short. But have they, have they reached out and said, hey, can you help us maybe find out what it is that uh, is keeping young men and women from joining military service? Is there a possibility that veterans who hear, see, understand what's going on could collectively speak to military leadership and to the administration to, to, to show them and speak to them with clarity about why people are not joining the military. I am part of a, uh, a group of retired generals who have uh, written multiple letters and uh, to the uh, open letters as well as to the leadership of the military uh, and talking about exactly what we see and telling them what we believe will uh, be the right measures that need to be taken to correct what's what's happening right now. But I'll go back to what you were saying about moms and dads, and, and I hear it all the time just like you do. And here's the thing. If we don't have those young men and women with, the, with values, uh, those young men and women that bring with them those Judeo-Christian values, then ultimately over time what you wind up with is a mercenary army. That is not what we mm -hmm. want. It's not what our founding fathers envisioned. It would be a professional military that would be able to win the nation's wars. And right now, we're headed in the wrong direction on that issue. Yeah, and, and that's so important. And it's not just military. You know, today's Veterans Day, so we're talking about the military. But the same thing for first responders, for law enforcement. We see the same thing happening today as, you know, we've had this defund the police and this hostility toward law enforcement. And it's driving a lot of good men and women away. And it, and it becomes a very tough environment, uh, dangerous as well. Uh, but I, I believe we have to prepare our children to be able to step into these roles. And I you know, I have uh, children who have moved into that realm of, uh, of, of law enforcement, and uh, I've had some I've encouraged in the military, but we as parents need to prepare them spiritually to serve in these roles because, you know, y y you come under attack today domestically in law enforcement for your faith. Any, as you mentioned earlier, anytime you're in government service, it, there's a hostility toward our faith. And we, we just have to prepare our, our children for that. But you are absolutely correct. If we don't have them that oper are operating with a moral compass, our nation would be in serious trouble. That's exactly right. And, and, and you've seen that throughout history where 
uh, armies get out of control and they do uh, some pretty bad things. And that is the last thing that America needs uh, is, is for our military to not have that moral compass that you just talked about. Uh, because it's ultimately it is going to cost America. But I, I'll, I'll just tell you, I think that the idea of young men and women coming in the military puts a greater burden on the parents today than, than in my lifetime to make sure that they understand that there is spiritual warfare anywhere they go. It's not just in the military. Yeah. And it yeah. in the military is is really the test bed for this agenda that would uh, essentially rob us of the founding faith and the founding values in this nation. And if you can drive those out of the military, you can go after every sector of our society. And that's why the military has been under such pressure and has been targeted the way it has. Yeah, that, that is, General, that's such a good point because, you know, there was a time, in fact, when I was in, you know, to straighten somebody out, you'd send them into the military uh, because that would kind of help get them on the right track. Parents today, just as you would send your kid off to a, to a public college, you have to have them on the right track before you send them or they're going to be misdirected. The same thing with the military. So it really does speak to the role and responsibility of parents you know, we were just talking about the school board elections. It goes all the way back to where we're talking about worldview. You know, we talk about that a lot on this program where the worldview of, of someone is shaped between 13 months and 13 years. And so parents have to, I mean, we have to lean in hard given the cultural winds that are blowing against our families, our values, our children, the Christian faith. We got to prepare our kids young no matter what what vocation they might be called to yeah and i will i will put in a little plug here for for family research council we we are reaching out to men through our stand courageous conferences and 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 what we're trying to do is get men to understand their responsibilities towards those children boys and girls in their home uh, we're trying to get them to understand what they have to do to prepare them for a life of service to Jesus Christ. But that, yeah. that not must be recognized that the further this goes in the military, the quicker it's going to be all over our society. And you're going to be looking around to see where's the last bastion of resistance. Yeah. Well, I think a, a safe assumption right now is that there, there are no safe places anymore in our culture for people of faith unless they're prepared. And if you're prepared in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, then every place is safe. But if you're not prepared to know why you believe what you believe and you're not committed to that faith, then there, there are no safe spaces. Uh, by the way, before I move on to faith, we're almost out of time. You mentioned Stand Courageous. We have a Stand Courageous conference coming up. Where at and how can people find out more about it? Yeah, we've got one coming up uh, after the first of the year. I think it's in March. And uh, we uh, all they have to do is go to frc.org or Stand Courageous. You can do it by just going to Stand Courageous, and it will give you the dates. It will give you who the speakers are. It will uh, tell you a little bit about it. So, uh, And we invite you uh, all over the country to try and get to one of these that comes near you because— we are focused on 
trying to get the fathers in the home to uh, to train their children upright so that when they are older, they will not turn from it. All right, uh, General Jerry Boykin, always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on this uh, Friday afternoon. Good to be with you. All right, we'll see you next week. Yes, coming up uh, in Houston, Texas, actually, March the 4th, will be our next Stand Courageous conference. As the general said, you can find out more by going to Stand Courageous. It'll be at Houston First Baptist Church on March the 4th. Make your plans now to attend. All right, I want to encourage you over the weekend to be praying. You know, we often talk about pray, vote, stand. Well, we voted Votes are still being counted. We need to pray, and we need to be resolute, and that we will stand for biblical truth regardless, regardless of the outcome of any election uh, or the circumstances around us. And that's why we're so grateful that you tune in to Washington Watch, because we want to help you take that stand on biblical truth. Have a great weekend, and until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words from the Apostle Paul found over in Ephesians chapter 6, where he says, when you've done everything that you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.